Mac football pod. Caleb, we we did the thing. We did the Mac football draft that we keep kind of kind of hitting at here and there. We finally did the stupid draft. How do you feel? We did it like days ago, so we got time to like decompress. Eh, looking, at, I, I kind of expected to come out of it like expecting bad to to not have a good team. Mm-hmm. Not not because I didn't have faith in my own ability to like kind of assess talent in the league so much as I was just paranoid I was going to miss on some picks. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, hey, look, I have no viable running backs. I have like one viable running back and that right. person gets hurt. So I was just like, I felt like I was going to make a mistake. And then I and then I was reminded that some people um, <laughs> would pick people who were on the board still or, <laughs> um, or who had already been picked or, you know, like, graduated did that happen this time uh that part didn't happen no and yeah thankfully there was like so many super seniors where like that like i felt like what would have happened we would have someone would have picked someone that hit the transfer market and not so much someone hitting Mm -hmm. like a like a graduated player that's somebody somebody brought up buffalo's uh zach lefevre right so yeah yeah he's gone uh Caleb, you're not an OG of the league, though. You when did you join? Was it 2019 that you like stepped oh, the in the fantasy league? That yeah, I stepped in. Well, last year was my first year with it, I think. Right, really, so, full year. Yeah, this past season. Wow. I felt like I felt like this is like your third year, but oh, I guess I'm wrong. Uh, you took over for a team, and what we did. So like, it's a group of us from the hustle belt. I'm one of those types. I say the hustle belt. Uh, we started it in the way back, probably like 2013, 2014, one of those years. I can't remember which one. Uh, we keep it. We keep it going. Not all of us that started the league are still in it, but a lot of us. I feel like half of this league is still filled with OGs, which is pretty nice. Uh, only eight of us because there's only 12 teams. We only have like 12 defenses to pick through. Only 12 quarterbacks essentially. Sure. Um, so that it kind of works out nicely where like it's just just perfect sized for all this to work out. Uh we do this every year where we do like a a draft through a Google Sheet. We all hang out online for a little bit. Uh and it's just a lot of fun and we always have keepers too where you can just if you're you pick someone that you really like them and like they're on your roster the whole year then they're eligible to be kept on your roster the next year you just can't uh draft in that position again this year so caleb you uh you picked as your keeper central michigan's defense wise decision incredibly wise because that was like a 10th round pick for you yeah that was a keeper yep yeah like how, how could you not i don't remember yeah. what like i don't remember what other options you had but i know central was easily like the best choice for you well yeah and i knew i was gonna keep it no matter what Mm-hmm. Like at that at that pick, I'm like, I can still find value um, in those spots, uh, but why would I pick anybody else at that point? And I think I think looking at the 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 list, I'm trying to I want to say like maybe Buffalo was picked already. Um, I think Western was Western's defense was picked already. Uh, Steph Curry picked Eastern's defense. We're, oh, yeah, we should note that, uh, not, like, all the names on here are 100% accurate. And so you might be thinking, that's Steph Curry? Yeah, it is that Steph Curry. He uh, 
Yeah, he he was here. I actually, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I had to draft for Steph Curry because Steph Curry couldn't attend the draft, but the rest of us did. Ah, yes, I remember who Steph Curry is now. Okay, got it. Uh, yeah, but for like the keepers, because we did our keepers like a day or two ahead of the draft, something like that, you picked Central's defense. I also want defense for my keeper as Miami's defense. Uh, that stopped me from drafting in the fifth round again, which is fine. I don't, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, not worried about it. Uh, and so we have, we kind of see the rest of the keepers where one team, LeBron James, he didn't keep anybody. Uh, Captain Commando, he kept Khalil Pimpleton. Steph Curry kept Lou Nichols. Uh, Buster's Plug kept Kevin Marks. <laughs> I couldn't say Buster's Plug whole name, so <laughs> for legal reasons, Doctor Bubble. <laughs> you couldn't say Buster's Plug hole. Um. <laughs> no, no, it's not a hole. No, it's not a plug hole. It's no. You said you can't say Buster's Plug hole. Well, no, whole name. name. Oh whole God, Buster, Buster, Buster's Plug hole name. <laughs> Hey, you did this. Man. <laughs> I did invite you on. I was like, Caleb, please podcast me. And here you are making me regret it. Uh, Dr. Bubblebutt probably had the best keep of all, uh, Caleb Ellaby in the third to last draft pick. Like, that's – they planned that out, like, way ahead of time, years ahead of time. Uh, and Caleb's dad uh, kept Brett Gabbert as the last round pick, too. So that was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so knowing what was off the board, knowing – you know, there's gonna if there's gonna be a run on like any position of a premium, especially quarterback, uh, things are gonna dry up really quickly. What was like kind of your strategy, kind of going into not just like your first pick, but your second pick too? Um, well, I knew I needed to have. I did. I didn't want to go quarterback first. Um, I especially knew I didn't want to go quarterback first when Dustin Crum and Drew Plitt were already off the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you took Carter Bradley as well, which that was actually a consideration of mine as well. And so I was kind of in the point where I'm like, well, I can, I can get a, I can get decent value for a quarterback who's probably going to be decently productive. Um, but my, my goal was just pick a quarterback that I can take a chance on having a really good year. So my, my thinking was, well, you can pick one of Central's quarterbacks who has the potential to be really productive. So that could be Jacob Sermon or that could be uh, Daniel Richardson. Or you could pick one of Eastern's quarterbacks. Uh, so Preston Hutchinson or Ben Bryant. And I would feel comfortable doing any of those guys as long as I knew I could get a quarterback a few rounds later. Mm-hmm. And I did. So I'm actually decently happy with how that went. So I ended up getting... Uh, I went with the guy I thought would be the most productive that was still on the board, and Demontre Tuggle was my first-round pick, Ohio running back. Uh, he was, I think, he was like second in the conference in all-purpose yards last year, or something like, or second or third. First which in your the heart. Only, yeah, which the only people in front of him were like Jarrett Patterson and freaking Justin Hall, so uh, who were two of the most productive players in the FBS. And then uh, I went <clears throat> Jacob Sermon at quarterback, the the transfer for Central Michigan, hoping that you know. Maybe he's a breakout player. They've got enough offensive weapons. It gives them maybe a chance to break out. Uh, it's, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I didn't want to add just for the logic of it. 
Rocky Lombardi is pretty much penciled in as the NIU quarterback and has the chance to at least produce at a decent level. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't expect fireworks from the NIU offense, but I felt comfortable knowing that there's not really a quarterback competition there. You're going to get, as long as he stays healthy, you're going to get results from there. Uh, the quarterbacks that were already off the board by the time you took one in the second round, uh, Ellaby and Gabbert were off the board as keepers. Yeah. Uh, second overall pick went Dustin Crum. Third was Drew Plitt, and then you at running back. Uh, and then another quarterback came off at seven to me, Carter Bradley, and then Preston Hutchinson right before it snaked back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so by then, the quarterback options you had were Sermon, which, you know, that could be a really good pick. Like, if things go right, things go really, really right for that team. Um, but but might, if things might, are but, decent, he's got some nice receivers to throw to, so yeah, maybe they but, can figure it out. But Daniel Richardson might just end up being the quarterback. Maybe. Um, we I, don't know. They're holding it tight to the chest, so. Does anybody really believe it's Richardson? Full disclosure, nobody drafted Richardson, not even as a backup. Look, I don't think it's a. it would have been a bad decision to have Richardson as your backup if you felt very confident in like having like Crum or Bradley or whatever just because it's a guy that could see the field. Um, but at that point, if you're very confident your guy's going to stay on the field, then you don't need another quarterback, right? Right, like, yeah. <laughs> And, I, and I'm again, I'm with you. Like, I do think Sermon is uh, the better option there. If I'm central and I'm assume if what I'm assuming is right about Sermon, then yeah, like you made the right pick when it comes to not just those two, but maybe picking Sermon so high as you did was the right move, too. Um, would you do you think you would have been content, though? Because uh, to finish off the second round, LeBron James picked Curtis Rourke. Would you have been happy if Curtis Swark was the quarterback that, if you didn't go QB in round two, uh, and LeBron James instead got Jacob Sermon, would you have been happier with Rourke? Or no, no. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen anything yet from Rourke to give me the indication that, like, I would feel confident. In it. And then you can make the argument that, like, oh, Sermon hasn't proved anything yet. But I felt more confident in the idea that Jacob Sermon is the day one starter and will produce for a very productive offense. Um, and it felt like a risk I could take because the, the reasoning was I figured Lombardi or like Van Treese would be available a few rounds later. And that, and that was my logic was I'm going to pick one of those two or like Hutchinson or Brian or something. Um, but I wanted to have one guy later, a few rounds later that I knew was going to be the starter mm-hmm. and that isn't going to go high because the expectations aren't super high. So I felt like I could take a chance I thought maybe if somebody really likes Sermon, especially one of our central guys, uh, might pick them before it snaked back to me. So that's why I went Sermon in the second round. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's look around this draft. Uh, I think what was kind of was going to be curious. I, I mentioned how like we might draft someone who uh, transferred out on accident, but a bunch of us at some point, a lot of us at a lot of points had to really consider drafting incoming transfers even though we've never seen them play with sure. Mac teams. And like that's not new to this league, but like as many new incoming transfers as we've had like come into the league because of the uh, the instant playing time that they're allowed to have or that yeah, that they're allowed to have uh, really is like changing things. So like what like what do you think played a factor into there cuz I'm looking at your team some of the incoming transfers that you have, like Sermon, of course, 
Rocky Lombardi as a backup. Aaron Hackett, tight end at Kent State. Keon Williams, he we saw him at Eastern, but now he's at Buffalo. Jayshon Jackson, uh, former receiver at Cincinnati, now at Ball State. Uh, Anthony Williams, too. Yeah. Former uh, I, Michigan I did, State. I did go really heavy. Now, the more you say it, the more I'm like, oh, I, wow, I did go heavy on the transfers. Um, I guess so is the question just what's the thought process? Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah, I mean, because, like, it's – it's a very strange calculus to just have. Yeah. You know? I mean, at that point, like, so I already kind of gave you the logic for Sermon. So um, at running back and uh, wide receiver, I, I felt very quickly that I'd made picks that uh, that I was conf- confident I was going to get production. Mm-hmm. And... I thought I could take risks with the upside. Um, obviously, somebody like Hackett, who set some tight end re- some tight end receiving records at Syracuse, so he's obviously a decent athlete who really could benefit from uh, playing in that offense. This this this, off- this offense with Crum mm-hmm. throwing him the ball, um, and then Keon Williams already has produced for Eastern. And honestly, I don't know if Keon Williams is a number one type, but I do know that he's already produced, and Buffalo doesn't have anybody coming back who produced in the receiver's room with any significance. So again, that's, that's one of those ones where I feel confident Keon Williams is going to catch between like 30 and 50 something balls. You can do any, could be anywhere in there probably on the lower end, but that, but he'll still probably get some scores and some yards. And, uh, and unfortunately for me, I think that there were some wide receivers picked just before my pick that, uh, I would have felt more comfortable or more confident and more comfortable picking Alex laughs because, uh, I think, he might have picked one of those guys. I, I, really I think. Uh, well, on behalf of Steph Curry, I did. Yeah. So uh, I, I know uh, Nakim Johnson because that was one where you. Were yeah, like, I it. did like. I did like that idea, but <laughs> but again, and that's another transfer that I liked because yeah. Nakim Johnson had produced a lot at Syracuse in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the type of guy who'd be picking up points in spots other than just uh, on receptions. So. Yeah, I mean, Jayshon Jackson, too, another wide receiver. It's a transfer from Cincinnati who produced and probably just wanted a more prominent role. Like, he's going to be a he, really good receiver. and Yeah, even if he ends up only being, like, a number three or number four, like, that's fine. Like, he's going to be into a good offense for that. Yeah, it's it's really hard to imagine. Now, now, like, Ball State's offense, you take a snapshot of them, and you're like, holy shit, they are – like they were already great last year, but you just added uh, a really good wide receiver on a top ten team. Mm-hmm. Decided to transfer. Uh, I don't. I don't think I could explain why that happened, but it did. So I thought I'd take advantage of that. Um, and, and, and a lot of the transfers are guys that don't show up in necessarily every uh, one of our buddies' minds because, like, unless they're really invested in the whole conference as opposed to just their team, then yeah, they might they might slip their mind and. A lot of the offseason, some of the transfers did slip my mind, but I actually did spend a little bit of time, like, making sure I knew who the transfers were in, like, the hour leading up to the draft. <laughs> so that's where it landed with a couple of the transfers. Anthony Williams was another one of those guys, uh, the new running back for Akron. I figured there was also a chance that uh, if Tion Dollar runs into any other issues like this offseason, there were potential discipline issues that uh, I don't know if they're resolved, but it's all things – all. It, signs seem to indicate he's back on the field ready to go with them and produce and they're going to rely on him a lot but 
obviously doesn't hurt Akron to have a secondary running back and somebody that can take the load of carries if it's absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. So lots and lots and lots of transfers is where that comes from. You got uh, Sermon, you got uh, I got Lombardi, I got Hackett, Williams, Jackson, uh, and then Anthony Williams. So all those guys. Like running backs, one of those positions where, and like we all know it because we're not stupid that like the the shelf life of running backs is so short because they take so many damn hits that like at and near the line of scrimmage. I can only imagine how much more brutal it is to be a running back at Akron because I mean Akron's O line. It's 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 a work in progress. That's I guess that's a nice way of saying it. But sure. oh my god, man, that's that's a lot of hits <laughs> to take yep. in the meantime while you guys are still developing. So yeah, I, hopefully Anthony Williams does like play that role where, uh, you know, even if he's not playing, you know, he's not on the field for eight snaps for a drive. Uh, hopefully he can you know fill in when Dollar needs a breather and you know get you some yards too. Uh, sure. You also got Jevion Ducker. Like, he's a really, really, really interesting running back that, you know, I think, like, Hammock, when we've talked about it a bunch, where Hammock's done a really good job of bringing in running backs because he has a great eye for talent at that regard. And Jevion Ducker is one of the more exciting names of an already exciting running back group. Uh, do you think that you're going to be able to maybe hold on to him for the whole year and make him, maybe make him like a keeper option for next year? Um, I don't really know what to expect in that regard because NIU already has multiple backs who should carry the brunt of it. I mean, Harrison Whaley doesn't need to be an every down back and he shouldn't be. He's smaller. He should be a scat back type. And yeah. Aaron Collins is actually a little bit bigger than I guess I even thought when he got to, when he got to NIU and, they're not asking him to rip off long runs. It's more just like take the hard, take some hard carries. And between those guys, like you, I'd expect like between twenty to twenty-five carries between Whaley and Collins a game, potentially more. And it's Ducker probably only gets in there and gets a few yards a game. Mm-hmm. But the upside for him is high, and the chance for him to like you know maybe toward the end of the season to some, some more crucial time as they try to uh, take a chance and, you know, get him some playing time, let him see, see what, uh, what can happen with hit with the ball in his hands. I could, I could easily see him being like having like a, a couple of those breakout games toward the end of the year. If, you know, they're in a position where they're just trying to test out what the future skill position players are, are capable of. So that's kind of the thinking there. It's like, it could be a steal. There's nobody I feel like I need to pick this late in the draft. There was, I mean, you were kind of looking through, oh, who's a wide receiver that's probably slept on or who's an incoming freshman who hasn't really produced in any big way yet. So why not pick somebody that I was already confident had a high upside? And mm-hmm. uh, IU has another back that I think they'd be smart to redshirt and, and uh, Ontario, Ontario Brown that was is one of the highest rated recruits of NIU's history. So they're going to have an absolutely stacked running back room, no matter how it comes down to it. It's just a matter of who's going to set themselves apart. Who do you think your steal of the draft was? If if it's not Jayshon Jackson, I think it might be Jawan Newt, uh, Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson, yeah. And honestly, like he <clears throat> produced, and I think it'll be a steal if he elevates past some of the more recognizable names in the wide receiver group at Toledo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I remember thinking like I needed to get Denzel McKinley Lewis and then I didn't go that route and somebody else picked him. Like I think right around the same time I picked Jay Sean Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buster's plug got him right before you did. Yeah. So I remember thinking that's who I want. And then it was like, well, yeah, I still feel good that Jay Sean Jackson could be a, like a guy who elevates, but yeah, McKinley Lewis is going to produce if he stays healthy. So it's, that's a good like fantasy pick if as long as, long as we're talking about yards and racking up points, mm-hmm. like he's going to get uh buster's plug points in that sense. Um, but Jerjawan Jackson had produced, and he did it behind as like as a very young player, behind the likes of Isaiah Winstead, behind Bryce Mitchell, behind Danzel McKinley Lewis, and like and and then and, you know and also knowing that Bryant Kobach can catch the ball a handful of times or more out of the yeah. backfield every game, if they decide that they maybe they want to take a little bit of a load off of Kobach. Maybe that means that's more more distributing the ball down the field. I think we we already know that Carter Bradley's comfortable throwing, spinning, throwing the rock like forty times a game and more if needed. So mm-hmm. and Co- and Kobach's comfortable in this offense, getting twenty twenty five carries and even more touches. Uh, there are a few backs like Micah Kelly for Toledo. I forget who got him, but I remember thinking, oh, that, that's Your a dad. nice like. Who did? Your dad. What? My dad. Yeah. And they said you're dead. Um, I'm like, wow, I don't remember saying anything that bad. Um, bang, but, bang. <laughs> but yeah, like I think Mikey Kelly is probably a good pick as a backup guy because he ha- you have to find a way to diversify like who's getting the touches back there. So Kobach is just absolutely obliterated into the dust. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, again, again, a lot, of, a lot to say that George Juan Jackson. I, I was, I was very happy, or George Juan Johnson. I was very happy that I could get him that late. Yeah, and like he's he might be. I don't know. He's somewhere. I don't know where they all sit, like in like uh, wide receiver three to five range. Which for Toledo, hey, that's a, that's still a good place to be. Like you're in the right position for that. It's just kind of hard to rely on a team's third, fourth, or fifth best receiver, right? Or maybe not best, but third or fourth or fifth receiver that you're throwing to. And so it's kind of hard to project like how many targets is this guy even going to get for me to even like want to play this week. Um, but if like you know some some ankles get twisted, if football injuries happen at Toledo, uh, hey, good thing you got JJJ. That's his Which, new nickname. How many Toledo people have been named Johnson in the last? <laughs> it's the most common American last name and the most common Toledo wide receiver name. <laughs> the Toledo Johnsons. Oh, oh, you're one of the Toledo Johnsons. Oh, well, in that case, just come come right this way, sir. Yes. Oh, yeah, I play football at Toledo. Oh, one of them Johnson boys. You're one of those Johnsons. Oh, got it. Uh, give me an overall assessment of your team. Like, do you, li- do you like it? Is there something that you wish you would have done differently with it? Uh, is there, like, a, a place that you need to trade up for? I think... Like almost every other person who's ever conducted a fantasy draft, I found Mine's myself. Better, yeah. I know. I agree. Yeah. What? I said uh, what? I was just gonna say what you were gonna say. What? Mine's better. Shut up! <laughs> Shut your face! I felt that essentially. This is sounding gonna sound way too serious. No. Uh, I kept thinking people were making really good choices right in front of me because they were the choices I would have made. 
it's like you're 45 picks in and I'm like, maybe if I can get so-and-so at 48, I've got a fucking steal. And then somebody picks him at like 46 and you're like, shit, shit, shit. That's what I wanted. Shit. And then like, you're not as satisfied with the next pick who may very well be a very good pick. So I had that moment like five times in this draft where I'm like ready to pick somebody and they, and you know, they pick somebody comes off the board. I'm like, fuck, 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 damn it. Fuck. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but that for that reason, I think I have some sleeper wide receivers and some guys who can really produce, but I wasn't entirely satisfied with the top of my receiver room. Uh, Ja'Cory Sullivan, I think is a very good uh, receiver to have up there. I would have liked to have had somebody else. I felt more confident in as a number one producing receiver. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, a little bit disappointed with my selections and maybe not pressing the issue a little bit. Maybe I could have gotten sermon in the third round and picked somebody more productive at wide receiver, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of banking on a couple of guys, maybe two guys outperforming everybody else's expectations of them. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, then and, it makes me seem, then it makes me seem smart if they do. <laughs> uh, Hey, let, let, let's look at this really good team over here. This one drafted by, uh, by Mr. Alex. Like, what do you think? Man, what a good job this guy did. Holy hell. When this guy got Carter Bradley. This guy got 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 Johannes Tyler. I know you like him. Yeah, I might. You're the one. Shut up. <laughs> you like him, you turd. I do. Um, I might have picked Carter Bradley if he had stayed on the board. If you hadn't picked him, if it had come back, because uh, I didn't think I needed to do a quarterback in the first round, uh, or in the second round rather. But um, if it had come back around and the option was, uh, who did I go? Um, looking at the sheet sermon duh i'm stupid then yeah like, <laughs> i felt more confident that carter bradley was going to produce for obvious reasons uh even though there was uh i think somebody picked toledo's backup quarterback which honestly eh. did um, they did someone do that i thought so i well i know captain commando came in and was like in the seventh round uh they were like all right this is gonna be risky i'm gonna pick carter bradley <laughs> And we were like, uh, What's no, the risk? you What's don't. The risk? <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, my God. And then okay. in like <laughs> later round, they were like, uh, I'm going to draft another player that was picked in the first. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love this league, man. It's so good. Um, for you, surprise, like that you went after Toledo guys, like, oh, shocker. Oh, dude. So I know Big you mean that job. facetiously, but like that's a that's a that's a running joke in this league that uh, people stopped laughing at because I always get Toledo guys. I had there was one year where I had drafted. It was 2016. I remember 2016. My first two picks were Logan Woodside, and then um, oh my god, running back, running back. What's his name? Number two. Um, oh my god. Back up Terry to Swanson. Terry Swanson. Swanson, thank you. Where I had picked those two, and I I came in last place that year because like I was just like so uninvested because like I had like uh, I had like moved and all that stuff, and then the next year I kept Swanson and then repicked Logan Woodside as my number one overall pick. <laughs> I think there was one year. I had I think Philip Ely was a quarterback that I had 
I think, let me try to think, how many other Toledo quarterbacks have I had? Oh, my Lord. I tend to get Toledo guys because, uh, hey, man, that Toledo offense. How, how, can, how can I not? Yeah, I mean, as long as the quarterback is, like, playing, like, you know he's going to get, like, 3,000 yards and pass for 20-something, 30-something touchdowns. Yeah, it's generally, like, pretty good bet that these uh it doesn't matter if toledo wins or loses as long as these offensive guys put up some stats that's the name of the game yeah uh yeah i went bradley yohans tyler isaiah winstead darius boone people were kind of upset about that kept miami's defense and then i had six incoming transfers on my team which was very very fun uh but Bryson Cannon, tight end from Eastern, not an incoming transfer, but Bryce Nunley is, receiver at Western. Clint Rakovich, running back at NIU, he's an incoming transfer. Cameron Laburn at Buffalo, Tommy Guajardo, Ben Bryant, and Latrell Fordham. Yeah, lots of incoming guys. I don't know. Like, the last four, I have, like, varying levels of expectation of them seeing the field and all that stuff and even producing, but, eh. Figured I'd uh, trust my gut. You made consecutive picks. I would say actually three. Three consecutive picks that were head scratchers to me. Which ones? Nunley, Meter, and Ratkovich. Okay. Not so not so much because none of them, not that they're going to pr- not produce, but the spot in the draft that you picked them. Uh, we're talking seventh, eighth, and ninth rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Nunley, is there an expectation that he's going to break out this year? Uh, well, he's an incoming transfer from Chattanooga, and he was already like a two-time first-team all-conference receiver at whatever league that he played in down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like there's a lot of expectations that he should be like getting most of the snaps, like as like one of the three receivers on the field at all times. So yeah, I, it's like I, does he replace the receptions like? Some of what's lost by not having Eskridge, like you have Hall, then he, he's like a bit. Hall. He was a, at least in Chattanooga. I don't know how much it'll you know transfer over to Western. I'm sure plenty, but he was a big time like like downfield deep threat. Okay, he's not like the biggest body in the world. He's not like you know one of these like six two two ten athletes out there. He's uh, normal person sized, but I mean he, he's going to produce, especially like the way that Western's offense is designed and with like how good of an offense he's already coming into. I'm, I'm sure he's going to get his looks. Yeah. My next question was, did you feel that you had to pick a picker in the the kicker in the round that you did to make sure you didn't lose out on one of the good ones? Yes. Cause there's only okay. so many good ones. <laughs> like I don't trust Mac kickers, but Marshall meter, he had an incredible freshman season and it was very good from deep too, which is uh, what really like impresses me the most. You know, like, you can be 10 for 10 from, like, 20 to 29 yards out, but I'm really not going to trust you that much. Um, so, have fun with... Uh, oh, your dad. Your dad's the one that picked Alex McNulty. My dad. He only had one field goal. Uh, and then you said you didn't... You were uh, a little bit puzzled by Clint. Yeah, uh, Clint, it's more like... I feel like you could have got him in like the second to last round because people wouldn't have remembered who the hell he was. That's fair. <laughs> I needed a second running back though. Yeah. And I just like needed to like, eh, maybe maybe one other person's looking for him. 
I'm going to be honest, Alex. I think there's a very decent chance that your running back room is the worst in the league. Oh, it usually is. <laughs> That's fine. But the thing about Clint is that I think he's going to be more like a pass cat, pass catching option. Sure. And if he can like pad up the stats as a receiver, then I think that's going to, you know, bode well. Cuz I don't think that NIU's offense is at a place where like it can keep targeting like Trayvon Rudolph and Tyrese Richie deep every time. Even if there's like a third receiver that kind of breaks through, I don't think that they can consistently do that. As a pass catching running back, he's going to have to get his close looks. Yeah. I have a I have a I'm thinking of like a a wave a guy that you could pick up later. Oh, I have I have like okay, this is this is a safe space. This is a safe space. Why because they don't listen? That doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the guys that's still out there as an undrafted free agent uh, that I'm kind of interested in, Xavier Williams. Do you know, I actually almost picked him in like round, uh, where did I go running back there late? It was um, when I picked Anthony Williams. I almost picked Xavier Williams there. Could have got him in the very last round, too. Yeah, I. Um, I also decided not to do that. I mean, my my, my mind. I'm gonna be honest with you. There is nothing wrong with Xavier Williams as a football player, and or as a as like a as a guy who's gonna produce. Like he's going to probably do some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt that because of where they're gonna spread, Kent State's gonna spread the ball around. Xavier Williams might be the guy who really like loses out this year, even yeah. though he's already proved he can be productive. In my mind, I'm like. I it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just barely touches the ball, and that would it, it's it, it would probably suck for him. And like he's already proven he can produce, but I, they have so many guys. Yeah, like Nikeem Johnson is the type of guy who is going to take away touches from Xavier Williams in my mind. Yeah, so, I, mean, shit, I mean Isaac Vance, he's going to take away touches from him. He already did. Vance is going to see the ball more. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Cephas is going to see the ball more too. Um, but so I went. With two backs, or I went with you know Anthony Williams because I thought there's a decent chance he becomes a really strong two back or could propel into the one, um, and then Broden and Ducker were both high uh, potential picks. If I felt I had to pick somebody who I felt confident could get 400 yards, I probably would pick Williams, even if he does lose out. But even if there's the potential for him to lose out on those yards, I picked both those guys the last two because I thought hey maybe they're they both produce and it helps me at the bottom of the lineup. I think were you the first person to pick a Bowling Green receiver? No, you were the uh, second. Somebody did it right before me. Yeah, Captain Commando got Javante Kinsey. They actually picked the person I was going to pick. That's one of those instances I was going to pick Kinsey because he has size and uh, made some not really nice catches. If I can remember, uh, like the uh, Broden's big too, but Kinsey's the one who has the size that you would probably trust to throw the ball around in the end zone. It should be kind of noted that. Yeah, when it comes to whatever. The second Bowling Green tight end was off the board before the first wide receiver from Bowling Green was drafted. Mm-hmm. And we're talking we're this is we're in the last three rounds of the draft too. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I mean it just goes to show like how like it just speaks volumes of like where we think that this offense is going to be at. Like they have 
nobody that we trust. Like we drafted so Cam's many good. incoming guys, and all there's all these returning receivers at Bowling Green that we don't know anything about. Tyrion, Tyrion Stewart's the only one that I think there was any confidence in. Yeah, yeah, he was going in the fourth round. Maybe we'll see something weird right from the get go. We're like, oh damn, they got something. They got something working there. Uh, one only one team I want to focus on for mm, maybe two and a half minutes at max. Uh, Steph Curry's team because I had the pleasure of uh, drafting for for Steph. Uh, he emailed me his list and I didn't look at it until uh, the draft was starting. I didn't look at. It any of his notes until then. I think I did a pretty good job. And I stuck to the script for the most part of uh, what he wanted. Got Drew Plitt as a first first round pick. He was a little upset that I didn't get him a background, backup quarterback, but uh, I don't care. Uh, Should have showed up, Steph. Uh, Jack Sorensen, Nakim Johnson, Mac Hippenheimer, Aaron Collins, Thomas Otokoye, Eastern's defense, Dylan Drummond, Colt Tucker, Jalen McGaughy. He, already, he was already picking Lou Nichols which made my life easier. Uh, Ball State's kicker, Samson Evans, and then Andre Williams. Not the not the running back that was in the the Heisman race the same year as Jordan Lynch. God, We're talking about Akron's receiver. That guy was fun to watch. He was a hoss. <laughs> Did I do okay with uh, with Steph's team? Honestly, Steph got Jack Sorensen, and uh, so I'm going to like it already. Yeah, uh, Hip is a good like secondary pick that I figured would fall farther, but like could actually be really productive for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very surprised that he valued Aaron Collins at NIU as high as he did. I mean, he's Steph Curry's an NIU guy at heart, which is interesting. I still ha- don't know if I understand parents. That's what his parents oh. want. Oh, well, his association with. with and like our Mac chats almost was never about NIU, so I guess oh, yeah. that until like recent years. Okay. 